going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, and we are entering our final day. This is the last episode of our 7 and 7 campaign for our one-year anniversary. It has been over one year with SIDcast, and yes, today's uh, answer to the, the question, or the uh, you know hangman thing, rather, uh, is DePaw, and that means Bill Wagner is our final guest today, and Bill will round it out with a pretty good one. Uh, he and I talked about a little bit about, and I know we'll kind of touch on this uh, you know, a lot. Um, basically, he did some stuff when he was a child that he did some dice rolling things with baseball, and I did the same thing with football. So we kind of touched on that subject quite a bit because you know I know people do it, but you know I, I thought I was just a nerd when I was a kid. I pro- probably still am because I still do it a little bit, but not but not you know too much to where it's overbearing and overtaking my life. But um, anyway, hopefully, 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 I'm crossing my fingers by this time that the episode airs, we will have a winner of our uh, T-shirt. That will be going out here pretty soon, and we will be direct messaging that individual here shortly, and then getting a size, and then getting a mailing address for him or her, whoever won the t-shirt. So thank you all for whoever participated in this one today. It's a pretty great one, and I'm really proud of this campaign, and we hope to have many, many more years ahead, maybe do something different next year. I'm not quite sure. I'm not going to worry about it until we even get close to that sort of thing because I spent so much time and so much effort and so much just mental brain power uh, into this project and and my close friends and family can attest to this here Uh, I was having headaches because I was working on these episodes so much over and over and over again just trying to make them good for you guys because that's that's all I want to do basically is pump out good content make sure that it's a great resource for you guys out there to have a healthy work life or maybe find some creative inspiration or or find just inspiration to anything maybe regain that passion back again in your life so and if this is your first uh, ever experience with SIDcast I highly encourage you to hit the subscribe button over on iTunes and follow us on social media at Sports InfoCast so today guys I know this one's going to be a touch over an hour long I believe we do have Bill Wagner of DePaul Tigers, and we will first start off about his first taste into sports information right here on SIDcast. My, my first taste, I, you know, um, it probably, I didn't realize it at the time, but it probably was in my teen years when I was, uh, I had a couple of friends and we, Got Stratomat- the Stratomatic uh, dice game, got the baseball game, and we actually started a league and kept stats on graph paper and added up with calculators. I, I think we had calculators back then, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, we're keeping league stats and league leaders, and, and I had no idea. And then I moved on to high school when I finally, uh, came to the conclusion I wasn't good enough to, to play anymore, that uh, a, friend, a friend of mine and I kept stats for the team and then tried to organize the, the conference schools to, to send us the same and we'd send out to the newspaper. So it was, it was pretty amazing. At, at, that, at that point in my life, I didn't know those things that they actually had was in colleges. So uh, it was kind of fun and probably was, a, probably was an indication that that was something that might be in my future. Perfect. So what kind of drew you to Miami University? Uh, well, I, he, he, it was a fairly easy decision for me. My sister went to school there, and uh, so I had visited on Little Sips weekend or graduation thing, you know, just different events, and uh, uh, pretty much knew I was going to stay in the state of Ohio, go to a state school, uh, just based on where, where we were financially as a family. And, and uh, uh, I, in fact, I didn't even visit as a high school student. I, I just can't imagine that anymore. Um, I think I had applied to two schools and, uh, and Miami was, uh, I got accepted in November and it was an easy, easy decision at that point. Perfect. Perfect. So what kind of things that, excuse me. So what kind of things, uh, how did you go about working in the sports information office? I mean, how were you even introduced to it? Like you said, in high school and when you, when you were in your teen years, you guys did 
those dice rolling things, and I'm going to ask you about it in a second because, ironically, I did the exact same thing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, what was your kind of like first introduction into the Red Hawks Sports Information Office? Well, it it's funny because uh, we had orientation in the summer, and so I think it was probably in July. I'm down there with my parents, and and we're sitting at a ta- table in the cafeteria with a with a couple of women who work at Miami, and we start talking and and. And I was just telling them that I was interested in sports. I didn't know at that point. You know, I really was thinking probably professional sports or something like that. I a major in business. And mm-hmm. and uh, so they said, oh, well, you need to see Dave Young, the sports information director. And you, you need to talk to him. He he can he can take care of that. And he'll have, he can answer a lot of your questions. Well, you know, I'm as I still am at, at my advanced age now, I'm, I'm an introvert, a little a little afraid of new situations, so I, uh, I actually didn't go see him right away. And uh, but somebody that lived down just down the hall from me did on his own, and he actually got a job. And so he would tell me about what he was doing in the office. And and I actually, I went back my sophomore year, and uh, Dave didn't have any openings then, uh, but he set something up for us that he would let us have maybe a four or five minute to an hour interview with. Uh, different people in the athletic department. Hmm. And so we'd meet the athletic director, the assistant ADs, and um, and just get a feel for what all the positions were in, in athletics. And it was uh, I did that along with two other people, two other Miami students. And it was a great, a great opportunity to learn more. And then by the time I was a junior, I was able to, they were able to find some, some positions for me. And I, I remember, you know, starting doing their first, uh, men's soccer media guide and and uh they just they allowed me to do things on my own which was pretty was pretty neat and it's a lesson i i wish that i would do more of sometimes when i when i have students i need to remember that sometimes uh, but one of the other people is somebody who's still in the business business is uh, kent sherrington was the assistant kent was relatively close to my age and so um we had a pretty good working relationship and, and a personal relationship. So, um, those, those two were just clearly instrumental in me getting the start where I did. And what about your move to Ohio state? I mean, was getting your master's something you always thought about doing or what, what, what did you have in mind? What was your mindset at, at that time? Well, it was so funny because, you know, I think back to, to how you found out how you got information back in those days. And you'd have to go to the library and look at books and try to, you know, find out what careers were. And I, re- I remember as a, oh gosh, I was probably around eighth grade or freshman year. I, I remember I'm listening to a Cleveland Indians game. And in the pregame show, they're talking to Jeff Torborg, who had just taken over as manager of the team. And he was talking about a um, how he did his thesis on the platooning of batters in Major League Baseball and and it was for his thesis for his master's in sports management at Rutgers. And, and I'm like, wow, they have a master's program in sport management. I've never, I've never heard of that. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. And so, um, so that had kind of been in the back of my mind. That was kind of my introduction that there's, po- there's a possibility of connecting the academic side to, to my career, my, my career goals. And then when I got to Miami, um, Dave Young had suggested you know, I, I was well aware of Ohio University's sport management program. I knew how, how solid that was. Um, but he had suggested looking into Ohio State. And, um, you know, I, uh, I was fortunate enough that I had had a pretty good portfolio of things that I had done at Miami and uh, interviewed, the, interviewed at Ohio State. And, you know, when you're, you, I grew up in northwest Ohio, so as a child, Ohio State's like, you know, it's a larger than life <laughs> experience. And, and, uh, when I, when I got accepted in the program, that was, it was pretty exciting. And, and, uh, and to take the next step and work at an institution like that was, was pretty special. Let's go back to something that you said uh, a little bit ago. I kind of got excited on the inside. Cause like I said, I did the exact same thing. So you did your uh, dice with the baseball. I yeah. did uh let me tell you, I'll, I'll, let me tell you what I did. And then we'll kind of go off a question from there, but I graduated, <clears throat> excuse me, graduated to a Excel, and I made mean, <laughs> like a, like a, like a table, uh, you know, gray were home games, the white cells were away, and then I get like 
a 10-sided dice and that'd be the other way, a 12-sided dice, that'd be the home, put it in a grid, but anyway, football was my thing, but, um, so how did that kind of translate into the enjoyment of what you do? Because I do see a lot of similarities and a lot of things that I find enjoyable as far as doing simulations like that. I mean, what was kind of the transition like? Just thinking back and saying, this makes total sense that I'm in this field because of that. You know, I, it's funny. At the time, I don't think I ever, I, I don't know that I necessarily made the direct connection to it. I, I, but I think that I've always, I've always loved working with numbers. And, uh, and it's been something that I've been, you know, I've, I've felt fairly confident in. I've been, I've, I've been always been really good with math until we got to calculus in college. And then I, you know, they, they replaced the numbers with the letters and that was probably it for me. So, uh, but I always, but I always had, I always had an interest in numbers and, you know, the, the, the professions changed so much in terms of, you know, where we are with number crunching and, and as opposed to some of the things that are really important that we do now. Um, but I just remember when, when I first started at uh, DePauw, you're, I mean, we're physically, we're adding numbers together to get the updated cumulative stats and we're typing in a new document. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I it, it's, uh, well, I probably didn't think about it at the time, but it, it, it was directly related to the, it was the same thing, except now I'm watching real activities take place. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and, and I think the other thing too about, when we did those, uh, when we did those games, you were, um, you know, sometimes we'd get we'd get really punchy. We'd have those those nights where maybe we try to stay up as late as we can, see how many games we could get in, because we felt like we got our league behind schedule or something, and and uh, so we uh, we would we would pretend like we're broadcasting the games, and uh, you know, and and back in that day, you didn't have uh, uh, we didn't have uh, cable TV yet. I mean, I think it was available. We probably didn't have it in our house. Uh, so this was as you could read newspapers, but this was as close to actually being at a game or participating in a game as you you could have outside of you know playing yourself against each other. And uh, um, it's just really when I look back on that, it, we spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, um, and then it, fortunately, we graduated. I graduated on to uh, re to real activities. Yeah. So that, <laughs> although I'm, you know, I probably I could I could see myself uh, with the kids doing something like that and trying. But yeah, uh, real quick, I promise we'll move on. Did you use real teams or fake teams? Um, in the in the strat. Oh, we had it was Stratomatic had real teams. So, oh. um, you know, we we had to modify the rules so we could play solitaire. So you know, like. You would you would know that in certain situations you would or would not steal a base or yeah I mean it was, uh -huh. uh, but it was it was probably we we played like a Cleveland I think one time one one season I played an entire Cleveland Indian schedule just as it as it appeared and um, and you know I think part of it too was seeing if you could make them better <laughs> and <laughs> you know well that was that was probably easy to do with the Indians I don't that in those days. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but another, I mean, it was just a fun activity for us. And, um, uh, I remember we traded, I think we probably got, we got tired of the teams the way they were. So then we, you know, we redrafted or something and, uh -huh. and then we did that for, we did that for basketball, played half of an NBA season with, with the real teams and, uh, and then put together, I, I remember we put together a report at the end that had each team's. Uh, cumulative stats and the stat leaders and, and uh, just it's it's really it's really weird when I think back about how how connected that is to to what I do now and um, and at the time never realized I mean I never thought oh wow this is a career I can yeah. do this <laughs> I mean I, I was looking at things from more of a marketing perspective or working in a front office of a, of a professional team. So with that marketing background, how does it help out from for what you do now? Um, I think it uh, it it probably helps me see things a certain way. I you know where where I realize that what maybe what I do doesn't just especially at the beginning. I think now we're we're all more uh, cognizant of our role as marketing our institutions and our in our student athletes, but. But I think back then it probably gave me a broader perspective of things that I, you know, I wasn't just working in sports that I, uh, 
athletics was a, you know, was the front door. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think that that was probably the biggest thing. And, you know, I, uh, some of the business classes at Miami were tough, you know, once, I mean, I, if, if my job depended on me knowing economics, I'd be in trouble. Um, those, I struggled through some of those classes and, you know, but I, but I, you know, I do think overall from a, yeah, I think everybody thinks they have an idea of marketing and, uh, it's probably changed over the years quite a bit, but, um, but some of those, some of those experiences we had, you know, in the classroom, I think they probably still come back to me sometimes. Perfect. What about working in professional sport? I uh, read your bio a little bit. You worked with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, how did kind of that come about? And, and was it any different than working in a collegiate sports? Well, yeah, yes, it was. And um, I, I, uh, I tended to, the, the other thing that I, the other probably quirky thing that I did you know, when I was in my early teens was I would, I would, mail letters to i would write letters to teams and you know it started it started by i'm actually probably one of those people that athletics communicators sids probably get tired of these days when you get something in the mail oh could you send me a schedule could you send me a sticker or something and and uh and so you know i did i i did some of those things where i would send things to teams and and then i i at least graduated to a point where i was writing to teams to get information about careers and so I remember I I, uh, I think I wrote to the Reds one time, and I actually did an in-person interview with somebody in ticket sales, and it was more just to learn more about things. I did, they weren't necessarily job openings, um, and I did. I remember sending something to uh, Larry O'Brien, who was the commissioner of the NBA, and and you know you get actual responses back from people that uh, you know that try to answer your questions, and it's pretty helpful. Well. The Cavaliers, the NBA. I was a big NBA fan at that point of my life, and uh, so I, I think it was one of those things where I just wrote to the Cavaliers and said, "Do you have any? Do you have any internship opportunities?" And uh, it was, I believe, that was the summer between my sophomore and junior year in college. And uh, so during the, during spring break, I went. They invited me to come to a game, and I talked to. Uh, the director of ticket sales and uh, probably it may, may have been season ticket sales at that point. And um, it was great. Got floor seating. You know, the Cavs were not very good then. And it was uh, so floor seating was, I was, was pretty lonely down there actually. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, so I got to, I got to meet with some people there and then they actually in the summer had some positions come open that were, they were not paid positions. So it was, it, they were season ticket sales where it's it was a hundred percent commission, and you are uh, call, cold calling businesses in Cleveland. I mean, they gave us a big book of all the businesses in the Cleveland and Akron area, and you just start calling. And I remember the first day, you know, you, you would you you'd call them, tell them about the ticket plans, and and I think the Cavs had a season where they won between 20 and 25 games the year before. And so some of these calls, and, and the country was in a recession, so the, some of these calls were just absolutely, people were laughing, they'd laugh at you, they'd, they'd say, uh, you know, I won't, I won't uh, buy any tickets until they re-sign World Be Free, who was uh, one of the big players at the time. And uh, so, but I remember the first day, I was excited. I sent out, uh, I sent out information to 90 different businesses and, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get a lot of replies back, you know? And then you realize that people are just actually being nice to you and they didn't want to hang up on you. So <laughs> they, you know, kind of like you, you might experience in your own day when people call you and like, Oh, just send me something and I'll take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And I do remember I, I made one sale during the summer. It was to a, I don't even know what the company did. They were called band fan industries. And I sold a partial season ticket package to him, and I got a check from the Cavs for forty dollars. And uh, um, I, I actually probably made more money in gas money in, in gas reimbursement going to the interview than I did for sales. So that was probably like a two month job, and uh, um, it pointed out one thing to me, and I still think this is very important to anybody who's looking to any career, is that 
you sometimes internships or experiences are great for identifying things that maybe you're not suited for. And <laughs> sales wasn't, sales was not going to be one of my things. It was very clear, and I, you know, I was. It was not a great situation with the Cavaliers at that time, but I wasn't. It, it wasn't even something that excited me, where I thought that even if it was a good situation, I'd want to do it. Um, so it it was uh, it was interesting. I actually think one of the. Uh, one of the people in our room, and we were in a room upstairs in the Richfield Coliseum that had really small windows, and it, you know, you, you're yeah. hearing everybody else's conversations. It just was, it was pretty rough. Um, the, uh, but, but I know one of the other people that worked there, I think, went on to be a PR director for the Cavs for several years, and uh, you know, sometimes it's all about timing. Had I been, maybe I had been a, a um, Miami graduate at that point, maybe there would have been some opportunities come from that, but. Um, just a real, it was an interesting experience. Uh, probably one of the best parts was we could watch during lunch, we could go out into the, into the seating area and watch them set up for concerts. You know, David Bowie was quiet riot, you know, some crazy, crazy groups from the eighties that were out there and, you know, it, uh, but again, it was an experience that, um, learning, learning things that, um, maybe you're not suited for or maybe that don't interest you is just as important as finding things that you you, you do like. So you kind of wrote around, like you said, just to find out about careers. How important is that for a young professional, maybe an up-and-coming professional, to be proactive like that? Oh, I, I it's invaluable. And I think now there are so many different ways of doing it. Um, it you know, it's uh, we, we had to physically write letters. And, uh, uh, and, and I think there probably was... It probably in that era, those letters probably stood out a little. I mean, there was no other way to communicate. Um, but I, but I think any time that you can um, identify individuals, maybe even just in your area, you know, you can be in high school and do this, and uh, and and just sit down and ask ask for a conversation with them just to learn some things, and uh, and just as, start establishing a network of. Of professional colleagues and and uh, and just to to show people you have an interest and and volunteer for things. I mean that's that's the other thing. You know, I um, you got a lot of activities in. You know, most people have activities in their area where they can help. I didn't know anything about colleges. I didn't know didn't know that they had offices like this. And I had, you know, I live two miles from Heidelberg now Heidelberg University and and. You know that would have been an opportunity for me that I wasn't even aware of until until I was in fact in college. So um, I do think there's probably more opportunities. Uh, you, with Coside of the way it is, you you probably could uh, you probably could explore those things. But um, but yeah, I would say to young professionals, and and I, I see a lot of this going on. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. And you know I get I get emails, and I'm always. I always realize how important it is to to respond to those and to and to try to help people as much as possible. Perfect. So, like you said, Cosida, uh, you mentioned it there, but I want to talk about kind of the establishment of D three side. I mean, you you had some little involvement in that. Am I correct in saying that? Well, I I I think I was. It was like musical chairs, and I was I was at the. I was at the seat at the right time. Maybe that's not the right analogy, but um, I was—I had served on the co-side of board of uh, board of directors, and um, at that time, I think uh, you know Roy Pickerel had already established the di- the Division Two uh-huh. Sports Information Organization. There already was an NAIA site, uh, and uh, and so uh, so while I was on the board, we were. Uh, there were a lot of conversations about COSIDA having an executive director so they can think about the organization 365 days a year. And and then it was also about um, making leadership structures or, or organizational structures within each division. And so, um, you know, I, it felt like it felt like when I was on the board of directors for COSIDA and then after, it seemed like I was in front of the room for those division three meetings for for. A decade, but it, I know it wasn't. It, it only seemed like that. And so, what we finally did in in one of those conventions was establish a formal organization. You know, we we would get together, probably like all the other divisions, and you'd get together and you would air a lot of complaints and 
and it was just a, there was a lot of um, you, you, you saw where there, there would be room for a lot of positive energy if you can if you could harness it. And so, you know, with the help of Cosida and the leadership at the time, we were able to to start an organization. And uh, uh, it's it, to see it today is awesome. I mean, when I see Len, what Lenny Reich is doing, what Ira Thor did, and and and, and the people that were presidents at, just after I I was Larry Happel and uh, Dave Rapp, it is uh, it's it's so exciting to see that we have um, we have subgroups of Cosida that are advocates for us and who are. Um, who are thinking about our best interest and trying to trying to do what you're doing, David, is great. I mean, you're introducing people to um, to the profession, to people in the profession, and that's invaluable. and And so, I feel like I feel like since we've gone to this approach of letting divisions, you know, well, a lot of their autonomy, it's really spurred a lot of this information sharing, skill sharing. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, we're in, a t- we're in an era where with social media it's easy to, easier to do. But, you know, those early days of D3 Saito were uh, going with John Humanick, who was the executive director of COSIDA, and going with Eric McDowell and Rich Herman and, and, and going to the NCAA convention in, in Atlanta and trying to get our foot into those doors with the athletic directors and the, and the conference commissioners. Because... You know, frankly, we were we had great relationships with personnel at the NCA and in the stats department. And one of the things we were trying to establish at the time was that we were more than just stat keepers. We were more than record keepers. We were, you know, we were professional communicators who were um, and marketers to some degree. And we probably we we weren't. Um, touting ourselves as such mm-hmm. and people weren't viewing us as such and uh so this was a this was an opportunity on the ground floor of trying to to get into those rooms and and uh you know to use a cliche get a seat at the table and uh you know um it it took a lot of meetings and a lot of a lot of work but it's good to see the fruits of that labor now you kind of mentioned this earlier and you just kind of touched on it there again uh, not very many young students or, or maybe high school, even college, and heck, even into their adulthood now, they don't know that there are careers in sports information. So what would you think be one way that we can start introducing this profession to kind of the outside world? So to speak? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure I have a great answer for it, but I think, I think we can, you know, I, I think we can, as institutions, you know, as athletic departments, you know, we can be involved in career days at schools, and uh, um, because I know we 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 talk about that with uh, you know we have relationships with the NCAA and NACTA, and we you know we can we can re- represent our profession to young college graduates or or college students. So that they can see that we are part of opportunities in athletics, but we really don't. It's hard to have an opportunity to do that. So I think it's kind of be, has to be on a grassroots level, maybe, and you know, where if you have a chance to go into a school to talk about your career, or or maybe an athletic director can can go into a school and say, hey, these are the types of careers we have, you know, at, at X university, right. and um, and uh, other than that, I you know. I uh, sometimes I, I look at my kids and I think, gosh, I wonder I wonder what how they view the profession. You know, sometimes we're our, our own worst enemies about how we talk about our jobs and, and you know the time consumption and um, so you know I think but I but I think we have the opportunity um, to to present what we do as you know as a, being a very important cog in the in the structure of an athletic department. Let's get back to some of your background a little bit. How did you get to DePaul? I mean, where were you at in your life as far as that was? I mean, what was the job process like? Spare no detail. Well, I so I'm at Ohio State, and uh, I uh, I honestly I you know I think I touched on my my uh, lack of uh, skills in economics. So I I really was I was to a point where I I, I wasn't as excited about being in classes and going to college, going to formal education 
as I was about getting started with my career. So I tried to get through Ohio State as quickly as I could. I took I remember taking six classes the first quarter of grad school, and and just trying to plow through that. Uh, I had a great experience working with the um, with the my colleagues there and working with the sports. And uh, so I thought, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the big time. You know, somebody's gonna. You know, I'm applying to jobs at Auburn, all these all these big schools that are coming open, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at some small schools applying to them, and uh, it's, uh, I, th- I think I'd interviewed at Wittenberg for a position in, like, August, pretty close to the start of the school year, didn't uh-huh. get that job, and, uh, but but now it's, you know, it's September, and, you know, I'm, so now I've, now I've finally identified Heidelberg as a place where I can go to um, get some get some experience talking to their talking to their SID who was also their PR or news bureau director uh, and uh, so I would go to Heidelberg get the NCA news there and look it over I would go get the you know the chronicle of higher education from the Heidelberg library and look at the job openings but I'm living at home and there's like there's not much out there and uh, I'm not getting a whole lot of bites from these I'm applying for jobs all over the country and uh so then I, it's right around Thanksgiving, I get a phone call from uh, Dave Graham, who was someone I went to grad school with at Ohio State, and he's at, he was at Albion, and he said, hey, we're playing DePauw in basketball, and uh, I just called down there to get information, and they don't have an SID right now. And so, you know, he had, while he was on the phone with somebody there, he gave them my name and said, he'll, you know, he said, oh, he'll be calling you. So there was no... There was no question. So it's like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm calling DePauw, and uh, Pat Aikman was um, was the PR person there. And uh, I talked to him on the phone, and he says, well, do you want to come for an interview? And so then I went the next Monday or Tuesday for an interview, found out on Thursday I was hired, and the next Monday I'm moving out here with everything packed into a 77 Mercury Cougar. And, uh, um, you know, I, and it, the, the ironic thing is, is that I remember at COSIDA at the convention that year, and we're, we're looking at all the, I think that was the first one I had attended. It was in Nashville. And so the job seekers room was just packed with people, and it's hot, and you could only sign up for three interviews. And I remember, so you got to be, you have to be pretty strategic about which ones you want to sign up for. I'm trying to get, I, you know, I'm like, I'm signing up for Notre Dame. And I, th- I think, oh, I've got the experience to do this. And I see, I remember seeing a posting for DePauw, and I looked at the job posting, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, well, it's a part-time job. I can't, no, there's no way I can do this after grad school. And I just dis- completely dismissed it. Uh-huh. Had two or three interviews at COSIDA. Those didn't pan out. So anyhow, it's now we're, you know, I'm back in November, and I'm starting a job at DePauw, where I had a, a place that I'd completely dismissed in the summer. And you know, again, I'm thinking, um, not whole, totally familiar with small schools, or definitely not Division Three. I mean, I've had gone. I, as a kid, I'd worked some Heidelberg football games, but in a completely different role. And uh, uh, I really thought six months, and I would probably be gone. You know, I'm going to move on. Want to try to find a Division One opportunity, and and uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure what happened, <laughs> but now. It's 30, 30, 31 years later, and I'm still here. I think it's probably because I had a stack, a stack of work. I started in December. I had a stack on my desk. I probably never got caught up. Is probably what happened. Perfect. So, what has been kind of the most valuable thing you've taken from being, like you said, you did your undergrad, grad school, D one, and then you go to D three. I mean, what were some key differences, or, or what were some things that you took away from the Vision three experience that you're at now? Um, well, I'll tell you, you were, you know, you quickly realize that, uh, at that point you're the only one, <laughs> you know, and it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, I was doing cross, I was doing track and field at Ohio state and now I'm doing track and field and, you know, 17 or 18 other sports. Um, so I think that was the first thing, you know, you, the resources are a lot different, obviously. Um, but, uh, 
I think from the very beginning, what I noticed was the relationships that I could establish with the coaches were, were such an important factor for me. You know, I always felt that, you know, that the way that the teams here approached competition, you know, whether it's sportsmanship or um, the way they treat the student athletes was really what I believed in. And, um, and, you know, I remember we had a baseball coach who said, well, the, uh, the big, the big time is where you are. <laughs> and, uh, that kind of, yeah, that, that kind of was true. It was true for me. It's like, I, I think at that point it was, it was probably more important for me to, um, put my own stamp on something. You know, I had had, I'd had these different people in my lives, Dave Young and Kent Sherrington at Miami and Marv Holman, Steve Snap, Rick Van Bremmer at, at um, DCKL. I had taken all these, all this, um, all this perspective from them. Right. And now I had, I combined, I combined all those things and, you know, with my personality and, and now this was, this was going to be how I was going to do it and how I would promote our teams. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of power, man. Even if you're, even if the workload is heavy, it's still, it's, you have ownership of it and it's, uh, there's nothing like that. And, and to be, you know, then to really, cause you, cause I, I think when you're working with all these sports, you experience, you experience so many highs, you experience lows and, uh, you experience successes and failures of your student athletes and, and, uh, you, you know, you just, I, I, I think, I think back on the people I met early in that time and now their, um, their children are coming here. One of the first, uh, one of the, the first football teams that I covered, a, a player on that team, uh, is one of the major donors to our press box renovation that we just had at our, you know, football and track and field stadium. And, uh, and when I see him and I see his son playing now, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, uh, um, it's a pretty neat thing to see the generations. And that's the one thing you get from staying in a place so long and, uh, and putting your own stamp on it. Uh, with your marketing background, I mean, how much do you apply it to the sports information? And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as my voice cracks, I'm 22. <laughs> how much of it do you use as far as trying to get people to come to the games at DePaul? Oh, boy. I think we're all struggling with how to do that. There's so, you know, there's so many things that students have at, at, at their fingertips right now that are, um, that make it difficult to, to pry them out of their rooms or pry them, you know, wherever they are. And in and, and, and something that even, even is probably more, uh, more of a struggle is that they're so mobile. Students can be so mobile and, you know, we're in a small town. So, you know, on one hand, there's not there's not a lot of a lot of other things going on, but our students are very active in in in, in so many things that I think we become one of those things. You just you have to keep trying to get it up on the list. So, you know, I think from one standpoint, the social media has helped. You know, getting getting some buy-in and having them share your information is is really great. You know, I'm I'm trying to think back to 20 years ago about how we did this and. You know, you, you put signs up in places and, and you, you hope people would see them or, you know, it. but the, the ironic thing is that it's still, it's still word of mouth to some degree to get people to come to your events. They, um, you have to have student athletes buy into that. I, so I would say, um, I would say that I don't, I'm, my marketing experience is probably, um, they probably help from the standpoint that. I might have a mar marketing mindset um, when I do things. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if specific skills. You, you know, I'm probably. I'm certainly not. I'm not as in tune with things as uh, as the 22 year olds that we have in terms of how to how to reach them and what they're interested in. Uh, but I still have. I still have ideas of you know maybe the best methods and maybe the hooks that they might they might be willing to, to follow. I'd like to transition to this part of the interview where I'd like to ask some fun questions. Um, first one I have for you, Bill. Favorite memory in your professional tenure? Oh, that is, uh, that's really tough. I, I, but I, I would say that there were the two national championships that our women's basketball team won or, um, 
or the the times when we've uh, reclaimed the Monon Bell, which is our football rivalry with Wabash. Um, but but honestly, it's probably it's probably when I reconnect with with uh, uh, alumni who established relationships with when they were students. Uh, real quick, and I've got to ask, uh, what explain the atmosphere for the Monon Bell? <laughs> well, it's a. Uh, it's uh it's interesting um we uh i my my first experience was in 1987 and i i i remember so the the it's changed a little bit now for various reasons um but in 1987 wabash wabash had won the game the year before and um and so it's uh depaul's leading something it's like 33 to 11 three minutes left in the game and our um our students, the, the bell is typically kept behind the, the bench of the, the team that's in possession. Three minutes left in the game, we've got a pretty sizable lead. Our students have decided that it's time to go get the bell. And I'm in the press box, and I'm watching them I'm watching them go over to the other side of the field. Fortunately, they didn't run across the field at that point. Uh-huh. Uh, but they start, there's a, you know, a little scuffle starts to, to uh, ensue and they are actually out on the field and <laughs> it takes a while to get them back. And so from, from that point forward at DePauw, we decided that it was important to separate the crowds, to, to have physical barriers between the two sides. And uh, I would say that that is, that's probably the unique thing about the rivalry is that, you know, in a, in a division three stadium where we're not, you know, we don't have, we don't have a bowl, but we're, we bring in temporary seating to probably double the size, double our capacity or, or triple it. Um, so it's, uh, but I, but I think the fact that it, one of the things that's so unique about it, the schools are so close to, to one another physically or geographically. Um, uh, Wabash is, is an all male institution. Um, so you have, you have a, you know, a kind of a difference there that, um, that sets us apart, but yet we're recruiting the same student athletes. And so we might have, you might have a, a football player up there who has a brother going to DePaul or a sister going to DePaul. And, uh, you might have, you might have students whose parents went to one, went to the Wabash, one went to DePaul, but it's, it's such a neat thing. And to think that it's been played for so long, you know, I, and honestly, I'm glad you asked that question about that game because it's probably when I look back on on some things, it's probably one of the reasons why I, I would put at the top of the list of why I've stayed so long because it's a, uh, you know, I like the Division three atmosphere, but but for one week out of the year, you know, we kind of get the feeling like we're either a bowl game or we're or we're playing at a higher level, and you know, I've I've been lucky to work with uh, Sports Illustrated, um, the Wall Street Journal, various large media outlets that have covered the game and and then you know it's net we've had it nationally televised and and so you know that's kind of my taste of the big time without it being big time 365 and 24 so yep uh espn sure treats it like a bowl game so i'm completely with you there one of these days <laughs> i'll go up and see one of those games but um we right. talked about your uh, favorite memory so what about on the other side what what is your biggest horror story in this uh career well you know i i I think, um, and we just we just played the, the College of Worcester, and they had suffered a um, one of their football players had passed away early in the week, and I think those are we we've had a few of those moments, and uh, you know one in particular we had a football player it was probably my third or fourth year he was he was set to come back for his sophomore year and was in a car accident, and and you know it, it was just just horrible to 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 see what the family was going through, what our family here was going through. Um, and then the, you know, we had a, a situation where, um, a former student athlete, she had graduated two years prior and she had passed away in a house fire. And, um, it, uh, you know, that was somebody who was, she herself was going into uh, a career in sports was working at the horizon league. And, you know, you just see, and that was before I was a parent. And so you, you know, I think when you're, when you're a parent, you view things, you think about those situations and, and how horrible they, they would make you feel. Um, but, you know, at that age, you're viewing these things as 
these are people who are your friends too. And, uh, um, and that year in particular, that was Amy Hasbrook who passed away in the fire and the, the women's basketball team. So we had juniors and seniors who had played with her in the previous seasons. Um, I, re- I remember that season well because they they really took it upon themselves to honor her memory, and we ended up, uh, that was our first trip, the women's basketball team's first trip to the Final Four, and we played over at uh, Rose Hallman, and, and uh, it was just a, it, it, was, it was horrible on one hand, it was a binding type of um, uh, experience for the team. And, uh, and for a community and, and, you know, now it's every year we have a tournament in her honor and, and, you know, I think those are those, it doesn't get any worse when you, when you're, um, when you experience things like that. Um, and it, it does put things in perspective. I mean, you all, you all, you know, that has a tendency to do that. And, uh, when it's student athlete covered, it's, it's even more so. I'm very sorry to hear that. And I hope that nobody ever has to, unfortunately people have to go through it, but hopefully nobody listening to us ever has to go through something like that. But I'm um, going back to some of the questions here. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give to a student going into this profession? Well, um, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to work hard. Don't be afraid to volunteer. Um, be, uh, I, I think if you're in college, don't don't be afraid to take the, the most menial task you can. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, I, I just I remember at Miami, I just I wanted to I wanted to get into it so badly that I would come in and I think Miami had won the the MAC basketball tournament. Ron Harper was our you know big student athlete for us at that point, and. I, I went to the tournament. It was either Rockford, Illinois, or Toledo, one, one of those years. I went to it as a fan, and I came back on Monday morning. I can barely talk, and I'm answering the phones about people who have questions about tickets. And, you know, I was well, I was willing to sit in that office and do anything. And, and you know, and I, I think those are probably, when I think when I think about that now, those are probably the students. If I, have, if I have students like that that are just clamoring to do more, those are probably the ones that I – I am going to be more inclined to, to give things to and trust with with uh, some things that maybe I ordinarily wouldn't. And um, so I, you know, it's even you know even I, I I'll tell students like, hey, if if uh, if you're doing it, this is probably something that I, if you're not doing it, I'm going to have to do. So you, you know, it's not really there's really not a breakdown of things that are unimportant because it's all it's all activities that we that we're all doing to make the, make the institution better. So, you know, it might seem menial, but it's, but in the, in the end it's not. And, uh, yeah. When you look around in the conference, uh, country division, and you look at an SID and you say that is a good SID, what are some things that they do or maybe some characteristics that they have that make you say that? Well, for me, it's professionalism. Uh, it's, you know, how, how you carry yourself, you know, I, I mean, it, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't travel as much anymore. So I don't know what, it, I don't know what it's like for other SIDs when they host events. You know, there's, you get so wrapped up in, in your student athletes and your coaches and you really, you want to be, you want to be a cheerleader, but you know, you still can't. And so I think that's one of the, that's one of the things I look for people that are able to, um, are able to calmly get through events and, do the do the job, and then it you know, not oh, probably probably uh, not gloat, not brag, just uh, um, you know we're handling we're handling information at some point, we're da- we're handling data, you know just get get the stuff to me and uh, um, but I think people that can, and and of course people who can tell a good story. I mean that's what that's what we've become a lot more of now. Um, but I, but I think it comes down to professionalism first and, uh, um, we have to be mindful. I think that, you know, as our role is more elevated, um, you know, we, we could have in my early years, we could be in a back room with a calculator, you know, retyping stat sheets and no one would even know what's happening. But now, you know, if we don't do something, 
people are going to know it pretty quickly. And so I think it's, I think it's important to realize uh, for professionals out there that you 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 have uh, you have clientele, you have um, you have audiences that are watching your stuff. They're watching what you do. They're reading what you do. They may not know it's you, but um, um, they probably don't necessarily care who's doing it, just that it gets done. And and so and and so doing it and how we do it is important. One thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession. Well, you know, it's it's inevitable that um, part of the storytelling is is doing it through video, and I, I uh, you, you know, I'm I'm trying, but it's hard to carve out that time yeah. to, to do it, and and uh, I, I think the hardest challenge that I have probably at my point in my career, and maybe just my personality type, is what do you give up to do more, and um, and uh, uh, you know, I wish that I could not only to go into those areas, but I wish that I was better at delegating to, you know, identifying students who were, who were really good at some things and delegating to them. It's probably, that would be a weakness of mine that I wish I could, I wish I could correct, which would allow me to, to, to get into more stuff. But I would say, I would say the feature type content, you know, and then, and then figuring out, figuring out the content, you know, the, the, the $64,000 question is, to, to answer is what's the content that people really care about and uh, it's not just producing content for content's sake but you know what's going to maybe draw that person in and say you know this place has a little more value than the other school I'm looking at you know maybe maybe I'll consider going and uh, you know so it's uh, so it's not just trying new things because I'm certainly willing to do that but it's but it's trying to do things in a way that's more strategic. Uh, Work-life balance, what do you do to have fun? What's fun? Yeah, exactly. Fun, really? <laughs> um, well, I have I have seven-year-old twins, so uh, I, get, I get started with a, a lot of this stuff later in life, and uh, um, you might have just heard the Monon bell. Somebody was ringing it out in the lobby. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> So, um, no, I have seven year old twins. I, I, uh, so I, I, I'm kind of, I'm reliving a lot of things through them. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly, uh, my life in, at this point in, at this point is not anything close to what it was in my twenties and thirties. So, um, and that's, and that's really probably a good thing. I think they, they are my balance. I, I, I volunteer in uh, their classrooms and, and, you know, I'll, this year I'm doing it during the day in my daughter's classroom. And, and so it's, it's like right in the middle of the afternoon and it's, it's such a good thing to change perspective. And, um, you know, but I, I, I think, I think the work-life balance, I mean, I do, I do laugh when I, when I hear that phrase sometimes, you know, because it's, you know, I think, well, my Saturdays are almost completely gone. And, you know, so I think that the key is, is that you have to make the most of those times you do have. And I'm not the best at, I, I'm probably, I'm okay at identifying that people need to recharge, but I don't do it very well myself. And so, you know, I'm pretty much just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And um, the kids, I think having the kids in, in a life at home that's completely different than anything you experience at work, um, with the exception that you know maybe at, the point, at times you feel like no one's listening to you. Um, it uh, it is a uh, it, it just naturally pulls you out of that um, that you know plugging away at everything because you can't. I mean you have you have to take care of of them and the situations when they were when they were younger. It was um, I have experiences of having them with me while I was working events and just, um, just pretty, pretty amazing when I think back on some of those times of, you know, working a tennis event and then, and they're sick. And so they're not at daycare and I'm taking care of, you know, in a, in a room somewhere while a tennis tur- national tennis tournament's going on and I'm changing diapers and I'm, you know, it's, it's, um, but you can't do that stuff alone. Having, having a, a wife who understands the career, 
um, doesn't doesn't always not always thrilled with it, but she understands it. And uh, you know, I hope at some point that my kids will um, they'll want they'll want to help and they'll want to be part of the experience on on game day. Um, I you know I, I'm not sure if what they see is what they like. But I think to keep us all together, I think that would be that'd be pretty cool. I've seen, I you know, I grew up in the profession watching families do things together, and I think that would be pretty fun. Uh, real quick, how do you explain what you do to your kids? Well, um, the deal was I told them early on that they they would have to learn how to keep volleyball stats, um, you know. But it hasn't worked. They're yeah. seven, David. They're seven, and they don't know how to keep volleyball stats. I'm, this is not where I thought we would be. <laughs> Um, I, uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the neat thing is, is that I've, I've been able to take them to some events that I wasn't working and, uh, you know, to be able to, to be able to get that really close up experience to, um, to athletics is kind of, is really, you can't do it a lot. You, You can't give your kids access to other things as much as we can with those things. And, and, uh, you know, to get them to identify with some student athletes and get to meet them is, is, is pretty neat. So, you know, I, 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 I think like they're starting to understand it. You know, I, my, my son has been into, into keeping stats a lot on, you know, um, looking at standings and things like that. So I think we're, we're getting closer to that point. You know, I just, I tell him I write about sports and keep track of the games as they're going on and, um, I think they, uh, I think they, they, they understand that they, they did, uh, um, I was at the, working the Monon Bell game last year in Crawfordsville. And I, I think it, at one point after the game, I'm trying to get players together for the, for the, uh, post-game interview on, on TV. And, and, uh, I think they saw me on camera, they were watching from home. And so now they think, they think every time you go to a sporting event, it's on television. So it's like trying to trying to cut through that and trying uh-huh. to break that down is, you know, uh, no, the, uh, I'm sorry, the Wednesday night soccer game against Illinois Wesleyan will be streamed, but it's not going to be on that TV. big TV every yeah. time. So. Um, next time somebody's in Greencastle, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? <laughs> well, mine... Mine recently has been anything that's dark and loud, so uh, we don't stand out with our family. But uh, uh, I, I I always feel obligated to um, to introduce people to Marvin's and the garlic cheeseburger. It's uh, you know some people some you, you have to kind of have a taste for it, um, and uh, some people don't. But a lot of our students who come back, we uh, th- that's something they crave. And in fact, we had. Um, so I, I mentioned we played Worcester football. Um, they, their assistant, uh, athletics communications director, is originally from Greencastle, was son of our longtime men's tennis coach. And so the SID came over for the football game, and we get an email of, about asking if we can go to Marvin's, get a couple sandwiches, and send them back with the SID. And so, you know, typ- typically when they deliver – long range you know it's packed in dry ice and uh, so i'm not sure i'm I'm assuming they made it okay Mm -hmm. and they i mean i think i think it's david kath is the uh is the person at worcester but i uh i think he's still doing okay this week even though he he ate them they were 48 hours old so um but it would be marvin's but the, the really thing neat thing about Greencastle right now is um we've had some uh some initiatives take place where the downtown is is, is being upgraded. So we've got a lot of local restaurants downtown that are really, really nice. Uh, a couple of microbreweries in town and, and there's a Starbucks. So I, I, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a great feeling like just driving through town and seeing a lot of cars parked at different restaurants and knowing that, knowing that it's more vibrant during the, uh, during the evening. Uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe after this interview, or whatever, what would be the best way to do it? Just email, probably. I'm <laughs> bwagner at defaw.edu. I think that's a, um, that's the safest for me. You can call me. I, I mean, I, that that's great, too. I um, probably don't, you know, don't uh, Snapchat me. I'm probably not going to be, I, I won't catch that. <laughs> yeah, even I'm not very uh, 
I'm not very responsive on Snapchat. I have yeah. one, but it's just what's the point, you know? I'm not gonna respond to you. It's just I don't know. I, but I, I probably said the verb. I, it's probably don't snap me, right? <laughs> I have no idea anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, Bill, thank you for coming on. Well, David, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks. No problem. So, uh, and thank you all for downloading, subscribing, uh, rating, reviewing this podcast. If you haven't done it already, it just takes a second. Go to iTunes. It helps out with the uh, algorithm thing. Proud that we have an average five-star rating. And, uh, guys, this is it for our 7 and 7 campaign. Taking a break next week. Don't question me why. You'll figure it out when you do seven episodes in seven days and you edit them all. So, that's what's been going on. You can follow us anytime. Uh, at Sports Infocast on social media, and good luck to the winner, and congratulations to the winner. I don't know why I said good luck to the winner of our contest. Again, this was the final day, and we'll be sending out the uh, T-shirt here pretty soon. So uh, thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.